by this stage in his life, uh, he was actually completely deaf. I don't know if you know the story of him, but he, he, so he never, never heard this piece of music. Well, not the one that we just heard, but the proper Ode to Joy. He never heard that uh, until um, we, he never actually heard it performed. And uh, the, the story goes that when it was first performed, the audience were in raptures, as you can probably imagine. But he only knew this when he turned around as he was the conductor and he turned around and he saw them all uh, going nuts in the background and, and he could just imagine his joy. Now, he didn't write the words. It was from a poem about 30 or 40 years earlier that was written. But an amazing sort of person, obviously, and a pretty cool song too. So hopefully you'll be whistling it today as you leave. Who knows? Um, welcome, and uh, it's, it's great to have you all here today. It's good to be at church. It's good to be encouraging each other. It's good to sing together, and um, it's good to hear from God's Word as well. So we're going to spend a few minutes doing that. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Graeme, um, and uh, it's great you've all joined us today. We're going to continue on our series, The Fruits of the Spirit, and today we're looking at joy. There you go, if you didn't guess that so far. Now, don't forget also, hopefully, and it would be helpful to have open in front of you, there's an outline in your, in your bulletin. That would be helpful for you to have. You can scribble down some notes and uh, look at some things later on. But in your bulletin, you've got a, there's a comment card there. And so that's good for a number of things. One is for writing comments and uh, giving me some feedback as well. Don't, don't whinge and complain, though. It's best to my face if you're going to do that. That's always good. Um, but um, if you're new or you've brought someone along or something like that, then fill out the comment card and then I can get in touch with you and, and say, hey, great to have you at church. Um, I'm the guy, the, I was the guy at the front and so on. So can I just commend that to you? Okay. Um, why don't we pray and we'll ask God to help us look into his word today. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Lord, I thank you that you're indeed a good God who gives us so many good things and joy is one of those. And so we pray, Lord, that as I speak, you would help me to speak clearly and well, uh, help me to be faithful to your word and Lord, help us to listen to what you've got to say and put, put your words into practice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, last week, if, if you remember, uh, we heard that the fruits of the Spirit are just that. Remember, they are the fruits of the Spirit. They are characteristics of the Spirit. And for those who belong to Jesus, we read from Galatians 5, those who live by the Spirit, this is what life with the Spirit looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Did I get them all? I think I did. Uh, all nine of them. So a Christian person is now new in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. They have God's Spirit in them, given by God. They're defined by the Spirit. They belong to Christ Jesus. And so just as grapes grow naturally from a vine, being, we said, will lead to doing. Being will lead to doing. Being in Christ, belonging to Him, having the Spirit in us will lead to, as we saw last week, uh, love, loving each other. And this week, having the Spirit in us as Christian people, belonging to Christ, it'll lead to joy. So why don't we start with defining what joy is. Here's how the writer um, John Piper, he's an American theologian and, and uh, pastor and writer, uh, he defines joy like this. I think it's pretty good, I like it. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit, 
as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. So joy, you see, joy in the Bible, as we'll discover, is an emotion. It's a feeling. Now, God is not anti-emotion, you know. Although emotions without self-control is not the way God wants us to live our life. It's in the soul. The soul, our whole being, it's in us. It's not just happiness. It's not exterior. It's far deeper than just a smile on our face. Although that too is significant, but I think it's got more to do with kindness, another fruit of the Spirit, than joy. And we'll see that in a few weeks' time. It's produced by the Holy Spirit who causes us to glorify Christ. Remember, Jesus gave the Spirit, John 16, so that he, he would be glorified. So it causes us to glorify Christ, to see the beauty of Christ in his word and the beauty of Christ in the world around us. So I think it's a pretty helpful definition. It might be worth trying to memorize or, or, or at least scribble down, I don't know, if, you, if you're doing that sort of thing. We'll come back to it over the next 15 or so minutes. But here's the problem. This is point number one on our outline. The problem is that far too often, joy is replaced by sorrow in our lives. Sadness rather than any positive feeling. But in some ways, this should not surprise us. The Bible tells us that our world is uh, broken. Those words are used. Our world is fallen uh, from Genesis 3. Sin has come into the world. It's a sinful world. Joy is a commodity that, for many of us, is often hard to find. In fact, we know that even the most mature of God's people experience periods of joylessness. So Job, for example, David, even Elijah, right after the 450 prophets of Baal, Baal had been used, had been made a fool of and fire had rained down from heaven to light this sacrifice... Elijah goes off into the desert and wants God to kill him. Um, <laughs> even the most mature of God's people experience periods of joylessness. The psalmist writes in Psalm 88, up on the screen in a moment, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. Hardly very joyous, is it? You keep reading Psalm 88 and it sort of shocks you. The truth is that many Christians will struggle with joy for a number of reasons. Some are a lot more complex than others. Here's three. There are theological reasons why we struggle. So, for, for example, we misunderstand what joy is, that it's just happiness. That'll lead to unhelpful expectations in life, which we will no doubt fall short. And that'll lead to guilt and that'll lead to questioning our faith even. So the theological reasons. Understanding joy theologically, that is what the Bible says about it, is vital. Hopefully today will help with that. Second, there are simply environmental reasons why we struggle with joy. Life has dealt you some really tough blows, which not only makes you question God's love sometimes, but even his existence. The thought of Christian joy is hard work, for people who have been knocked about in life. And finally, possibly the most complex reason for a believer to struggle with joy is their health. For example, sufferers of depression and anxiety will often feel like the truths of Scripture feel a million miles away. 
and finding the mental and emotional energy just to, to think about it and to contemplate it, talk, talk about it, well, these, just doing that is a battle and a half for them. So, what if you're struggling like this today? What if that's, that's you? What do you need to hear? And what ought those caring for those struggling with joy, what do they need to hear? Well, it seems to me, bearing in mind that joylessness can be a very complex issue, that three words or things can be said now in response, uh, and, and now in response to this, all of which lead us, I think, to the greatest of all words from God, uh, the source of the Christian's joy. So, first, uh, friends, God has given us all his word. Wherever we are at, whatever we feel, God has given us all his word. We have one Bible for all. God's word is sufficient for all and applies just as much to those who are struggling as to those who are, for want of a better word, healthy and doing well. And of course, second, one Bible for all means one gospel for all. The same good news, the same grace, the same love for all. We're all sinners and in need of forgiveness. We all need to turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. Again, whether we're healthy, put it like that again, or struggling. Right now, there there are scientists across the world, let me illustrate this for for a second for you. There are scientists across the world who are working furiously to try to find a cure for cancer. Okay? As we speak, there's someone doing it somewhere. To eradicate cancer, to, to stop its existence, whether, whether in the form of a vaccine or treatment once these abnormal blood cells have been detected in someone's body. But just imagine for a moment if such a thing was discovered, this cure for cancer. It'll be good news for all, wouldn't it? For all. Uh, Irrespective of your circumstances, whether you are sick or healthy, you see? Imagine that joy once that is discovered. The gospel is good news irrespective of your circumstances. Good news for those who right now are doing well and it's also good news for those who are struggling. Okay, let's look at this third response though. The church's church's response uh, should not be one of guilt-inducing exhortations, but of sensitivity and love and directing, encouraging us back to the sufficient and powerful Word of God. In fact, God's church exists. uh, In fact, in, in God's church, the strong, again, trying to find a good word but the strong exist for the weak part of our purpose in meeting together it's one reason why being committed to this gathering is so so important because the strong exist for the weak and the weak exist for the strong that's how it works we're all priests the bible says one peter tells us we're a royal priesthood we're to be priests for each other in other words we can mediate for each other I can be an instrument of God's grace to you and you can be an instrument of God's grace to me. I can pray for you and you can pray for me. 
So, one Bible for all, one gospel for all, and there's a church response as well to this, to this joy and sorrow. So where then does the Christian joy ultimately come from? Where can we find this joy produced by the Holy Spirit, causing us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world? Remember the Christmas story? The angel told the shepherds, good news of great joy has come for all the people, the angel said to the shepherds. A saviour has come, he is Christ the Lord. The greatest joy is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good news for all. It's in the gospel that we can find this joy. It's in the gospel that we can know God, that we're saved by his grace. And it's in the gospel that we can be reminded of God's goodness to us. I wonder if you could explain the gospel. Someone pulls you up, friend, asks you, what's this gospel that you talk about? Or they might just ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Could you explain it? Uh, My guess is uh, some of us would would get it pretty well. Some of us might um and ah a bit and finally get it out an hour later. Um, I don't know. It's the gospel that we need to know, that we need to remember and be reminded of. Why? Because it's the greatest joy the good news of great joy, the angels said to the shepherds. Timothy Keller, he's another American author that I was reading during the week, he tweeted early this week, and I know he tweeted something because I joined Twitter, because <laughs> there was no one else who followed our Twitter account. Um, we actually have a church Twitter account. And I thought of all the people who should follow the Twitter account, it should be the minister who follows the Twitter account. So I joined it. Anyway, I started following Timothy Keller. There you go, that's the reason why I did that. He said this, He said, Christians need the gospel as much as non-Christians do. That was his tweet. There you go. I'll say it again. Christians need the gospel as much as non-Christians do. It's true, isn't it? It's very true. Because by God's Spirit, it is the greatest of all sources of joy for new believers, for all believers. Why? Let's look at why. Why is the gospel the greatest source of all joy? I want you, if you've got a Bible there, open it up to Galatians chapter 1 very start of Galatians, Galatians 1 verses 3 to 5. Now we'll have it up on the screen, but it's important you check up on what I'm saying, that's your job. Galatians 1 3 to 5, it says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Galatians 1, 3 to 5, these little verses explain why the angel said the gospel is good news, good news of great joy for all people. That's what Galatians 1, 3 to 5 explains. So first, Paul reminds these Christians in Galatia who we are. We are lost, helpless. We're in need of rescue. See verse 4? Friends, other other founders of religions came to teach not to rescue jesus yes was a great teacher no doubt about it but when paul pens a summary of the gospel he doesn't speak of jesus abilities as a teacher at all he said that you won't find it there and sadly the average person on the street when they think of jesus they think of a great teacher and that christians follow his example But Paul implies that's impossible because we are in need of rescue. You see it in the text there. 
After all, who rescues someone who is not lost and in a hopeless condition? Who does that? Now, I'm a big fan of Bondi Rescue. I like reality TV, but I like Bondi Rescue. We watched it in Dubai when we were there, and it reminded us of home, and we liked it. Anyway, it's good. Imagine for a moment, Bondi Rescue, you're watching away, and there's a drowning woman out in the rip somewhere. She's got her hand up. She's struggling and reaching. She's climbing the ladders, as they say, and trying to get every breath down. She's panicking. She's in a lot of trouble. It wouldn't be much help, would it, if the lifeguards threw her a manual on how to swim. There you go, love. All the best. Go for it. You can do it. Read up and you'll get in soon. That wouldn't be much help, would it? Jesus, although a great teacher, didn't come to teach. He came first and foremost to rescue because that's what we most need. Without Jesus, we're helpless and lost. Nothing in who we are or what we do saves us. We're in need of rescue. Now, second, what Jesus did, this is a gospel message. How did he rescue us? Well, he gave himself for our sins. See that in verse 4. Jesus' death was a substitutionary sacrifice. He gave himself for our sins. Very little word, for, F-O-R. The word means on behalf of, in the place of. Jesus swapped places with us, giving himself up for our sakes. In the first Hunger Games movie or book, if you've seen it, Katniss Everdeen, she's the Jennifer Lawrence character. Uh, her sister Prim, I don't know what her character, I don't know what her name is, like in real life, um, the actress's name. And the rest of District 12 are called to a reaping. That's the scene up here. It's a horrible word, reaping, that's what it is. So what happens in the story, that we're where these, uh, they're called tributes, tributes or people's names, are drawn out of bowl, you know, they're drawn out to take part in the games. It's portrayed as an honour, the lady with the big hair and the makeup and all that, it's an honour to be a tribute, but really it's just a sport for the rich elite in the movie uh, to, to watch as these tributes fight to the death. If your name is called, it's almost certain death. As, anyone, as only one winner ever comes out of the games. And the only way to win is to kill all the other competitors or participants or tributes. Now, in this scene, it's a pretty moving sort of scene, when younger sister Prim, when her name is called out, Katniss volunteers, taking the place of Prim. She gives herself up to save the life of her younger sister. Now, friends, that, that's indeed what Jesus does, has done for us, isn't it? With the exception that Jesus gave himself for sinners, we read in Galatians 1. Not a loving sister, but a rebellious one. Jesus didn't merely buy us a second chance, giving us another opportunity to get life right and stay right with God. Didn't do that. He did all we needed to do but cannot do. That's what Jesus did. So that when, we became our, when, when he becomes our saviour, as we repent and believe in him and his gospel, we are then absolutely free from penalty and condemnation. So who we are, what Jesus did. Third, the gospel speaks of what the Father did. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, you can see back in verse 1 that God accepted the work of Christ on our behalf. See verse 1 there? By raising him from the dead. 
raising Jesus from the dead. That was God's tick of approval that Jesus came and did what he was sent to do. And then in verse 3, God accepted the work of Christ on our behalf by giving us grace and peace. That's been given over to us. Peace with God, grace, uh, God's undeserved love for us, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace and peace that Christ won and achieved for us. Finally, here's this gospel, this greatest joy. Why God did it? Why God did it? Well, this was all done out of grace. Not because of anything we've done. Look again at verse 4. But according to the will of God our Father. It was Him and Him alone. We did not even ask for rescue. But God in His grace planned that we didn't planned what we didn't realise we needed and could achieve ourselves. Friends, the salvation that God offers, that is achieved for us by the death of Jesus, brought about by the will of God, is it is sheer grace and grace alone. I don't know, do you know this joy? Do you know it? Do you feel it in all your being? Be reminded of it today. Take a moment to, to, to suck it in, the goodness of God's grace, that joy we have because Jesus died for us. Come to Jesus today. Believe in him. Be filled, as 1 Peter says, with this inexpressible and glorious joy. Peter wrote to a number of Christians scattered about the Middle East, 1 Peter, because you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what does this joy produced by the Spirit look like as we live it out? Uh, as we are led by the Spirit, as we belong to Jesus. The joy that causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world around us. doesn't mean that we should smile more often, whistle happy tunes, uh, dance a jig every time we come into church. Some of you do that and that's great. Um, well, maybe it means that, I'm not quite sure. But what we see is that such joy is lived out, um, when it's lived out, it's, it's, we see it lived out in much more significant ways. We could ask again, what's the effect of the gospel? One way we can understand this joy is to see it in action. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, this theme of joy is especially prominent. I reckon we could, uh, I, I guess we could call Philippians a case study in joy. Here's the effect of the gospel. Here's what it looks like to be led by the Spirit when being leads to doing. I'll put a bunch of references on your outline. In some ways, it's a bit of homework if you want to go back and look over uh, some of the things I'm going to summarise in a moment. But here's what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. Here's what it looks like to have the joy that the Bible is talking about and, um, and that, that God wants us to have. So, Philippians 1.4, for example. Paul prays with joy because of their partnership in the Gospel. Fills him with joy. In 1 verse 18... The preaching of Jesus Christ is cause for joy. Just the preaching of it gives him joy. Uh, 1, 25-26, Paul continues in ministry with the Philippians for their progress and joy in the faith. He continues with them and, and, that, and that their joy in Christ will overflow. That's why Paul sticks with them. So their joy will increase. It's a partnership in the gospel thing again. Philippians 2 verse 2, uh, 2, Paul's joy is made complete when the Philippians are united with Christ being like-minded, same love, 
being one in spirit and purpose. It does beg the question so far, doesn't it? What gives us joy? Well, what gives Paul joy is that the church are united with Christ, being like-minded and same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Uh, 2 verse 17 and 18. Even in the midst of suffering for the gospel, now Paul's in a jail cell as he writes to the Philippians. Even to the point of death, Paul rejoices with them as they shine like stars in their Christian lives, as they stand out in their Christian lives, as they hold out the word of life. That gives Paul joy. 2.28-29, Paul will send Epaphroditus back to Philippi to minister to the church. His good godly leadership and teaching will bring them joy and less anxiety. They are to receive him with joy, honouring him and other church leaders like him. So it gives Paul joy. What about Philippians 3, 1 and 4, 4? Paul instructs the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord. Why does he do that? Well, he says, rejoice in the Lord, for this is a safeguard for you. This keeps you going as a Christian to rejoice in the Lord. And in fact, Philippians 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord. And, and I say it again rejoice in the Lord it's so important to find joy in the Lord make the decision to do that he says uh, chapter 4 verse 4 verse 1 uh, the Philippians are Paul's joy and crown I'd love to talk much more about that but I don't have time but it's a wonderful pass- wonderful uh, message of how Paul's ministry to the people he ministered to uh, they are his joy and crown that's what gives him joy and crown I think is a reference to uh, Uh, to heaven when he he sees them in heaven this will be just the greatest thing ever to know that they've kept up with the faith they've kept running and trusting in jesus and finally in 4 verse 10 paul rejoices in the lord because the philippians have renewed their concern for him and they've shared in his troubles in other words they've provided gifts for him in jail and that's a great source of joy isn't it when christians support each other and so on and they give to each other so, read Philippians if you want to know more about joy as well. Let's, let's, let's tie a few things together as we close. We've seen that joy is sometimes hard to find in the Christian life. And, it's, and it's, sometimes it's very, very complex. We've seen that. The Bible speaks of that. If that's you and you're struggling for joy, then you are not alone. In fact, you're not alone. All through the Bible, we see it. Christians struggling with joy. But there's also a joy, there's a good news that is irrespective of our circumstances. That's the gospel. The grace of God. God who loves us personally and calls the Christian person to himself regardless of our goodness or our abilities or our personalities or whether we're struggling or doing well. Well, Friends, why don't we pray and ask God to help us with this and then we'll have some time for questions and comments. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy that you give us. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the joy that we get from all sorts of areas of life. But most of all, we thank you that we get it uh, from the gospel. Lord, we thank you for your spirit as Christian people who belong to Christ Jesus, your spirit working in us that gives us that joy that comes through the gospel. We thank you that by it we can know you, we can be forgiven, we are loved by you, irrespective of where we are at and how we are feeling. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, help us with, um, help those in our congregation today who struggle with joy, um, whether, whether it's whatever reason, it's, reason that happens, 
Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us, the church, to be sensitive to their needs and that we would, Lord, Lord God, exist for each other. Um, we can be priests for each other as well, pray for each other and support each other. Thank you for your sufficient word that provides all that we need. Uh, Father, we um, thank you for today. We thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen.